welcome to selfdiscoveryradio.com, where we bring you insightful, liberating, intuitive people from around the globe. They share their life's journeys and experience wisdom to guide you on your own discovery of self. Each week from Tuesday to Monday, we will bring you new shows on our many genres, and with over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on selfdiscoveryradio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Vibrations Roundtable with me, Sarah Troy, and my guests, Dennis Cardiff and Willie Baronet. We have interviewed them before, and both of them are outstanding gentlemen standing up for the homeless community. Um, beautiful stories of how they came about it, and I do recommend that you listen to the other shows that I did with them because it shows how it all came about that they came to support the homeless community and what they're doing about it. Um, I'm going to let them come on and give you a little synopsis of it and, and how this started and what they're doing. Um, Dennis has two books uh, that are out at the present moment that he's written on behalf of the homeless. It's their story. And uh, and Willie, for going back into the 90s, has been buying signs from the homeless instead of just giving them money and then has created this entire art thing uh, from their signs, which um, is wonderful. And, you know, anybody can be homeless. You know, I myself had to live out of my car for a while. Um, you never know what circumstances are going to come along, especially in today's economic world. And so to look down at the homeless as if they're invisible or that it's their fault or they're losers or they're lazy is a completely wrong attitude. And it's n they don't want a handout. They want a hand up. They want to get to stand up on their own two feet and live a productive life. And sometimes many other things could be against them. Um, Post-traumatic stress disorder, um, you know, a loss that they can't overcome, um, maybe addiction, um, you know, maybe a criminal record and nobody will hire them. There are so many issues here today. And of course, there's the huge one of a, a mum having to take her kids and walk away from domestic abuse and very often ends up on the street. The runaways, I mean, the list goes on. So let's try and understand what we can do to liberate the homeless and give them back their liberty, their dignity, their freedom, so they can live a very meaningful, productive life. So welcome to the show, Dennis and Willie. Thank, Thank you, Sarah. Sarah. Now I'm going to um, ask each one of you just to give a little um, blurb on uh, how it started for you. So Dennis, I'll start with you. Uh, about six years ago, I, uh, on my way to work, I noticed a woman who I'd previously seen, but... Uh, questioned why she was uh, uh, panhandling rather than going to uh, some of the missions, uh, at places that I volunteered at, actually, and I, I stopped to tell her about uh, uh, a Christmas dinner that was planned for, you know, a few days ahead, and uh, I didn't know quite what to do, so I called a friend who works with... Uh, people transitioning from uh, prison life to regular life. She helps with uh, uh, resumes, that kind of thing. And she said, well, the woman's probably hungry. Perhaps uh, she'd like a coffee and a breakfast sandwich. So I asked her, and she said, uh, yes, sir, that would be very nice. So that started uh, a six-year uh, morning meeting 
uh, eventually uh, it got a bit uh, complicated with people changing their preferences, so I, I uh, started uh, keeping $5 TIM cards in my pocket. And I also carry $5 rolls of $5 bills and uh, bus tickets because that's something else that uh, homeless people sometimes need. Uh, some don't drink and are very responsible, but are just short on rent. So a $5 bill was a lot more helpful to them than uh, uh, coffee and donuts. Um, as I say, this was six and a half years ago, and I've just gradually become more and more of their part of their community. I meet them uh, each day that uh, weather permits. Uh, I've seen them half a dozen times this year already, and unfortunately... Uh, a number have died, uh, one by uh, uh, suicide, by hanging. It may or may not have been uh, self-induced. Uh, two were from heart attacks, and two died in their sleep uh, at home. And uh, although there were uh, autopsies, I don't know what the, the actual... Uh, results were. I, uh, I've been to one funeral uh, about two weeks ago. A uh, lady from uh, Qualowit, she was 57 years old, very nice lady, who I'd known for six years. I met her uh, daughter, her son, and her uncle. And uh, a lot of the um, Inuit uh, people that had come to come to visit uh the, the service was all in a in uh in Uktivit, so i missed a lot of it <laughs> but uh is very very uh very very touching uh, another friend of mine is in hospital and he's uh from what i can gather from the internet he's uh in the last stages of uh, cirrhosis of the liver he's been in hospital for five weeks and he's allowed nothing but uh, shaved ice. And uh, partly that's because of nausea. And uh, um, as far as I can understand... Yeah, it uh, doesn't sound like they're kind of trying to keep him alive there if it's just shaved ice for five weeks. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, anything he takes in, he throws up. So, right. so with the so intravenous uh, feeding... And another friend who's uh, just released from hospital, he's had uh, colon cancer. He's had uh, six, in six inches of his colon removed and part of his esophagus. So uh, the amount that he's able to eat is very limited, and he can't drink anymore or he'll, he'll throw it up. Right. I mean, you know, these things are, you know, hard enough when you've got a, you know, a steady roof over your head or an income or anything else, but... You know, to, to have these sicknesses, you know, when you are, um, you know, homeless or on very, very limited, um, you know, funds and living in a house, you know, housing type thing, it's really, really hard. Um, you know, Willie, you've seen a few things yourself, haven't you? Uh, sh yes, I have. And, you know, to give a little background, as Sarah mentioned, I started buying and collecting cardboard signs from the homeless back in 1993. And at the time, didn't really know where that was going to lead, but it really stemmed from my own discomfort of how I felt every time I saw somebody on the street. And I uh, 
didn't like the fact that I was averting my eyes and mm-hmm. sometimes pretending pretending not to notice them. And this was a way to change that dynamic. And once I started buying the signs, it really just became a part of my life. I went back to grad school in 2008, and that was the point at which I started to really utilize these signs and started to do exhibits and installations with the signs. And I really very slowly started to realize how much power the signs themselves have. So people would just stand in front of them and marvel at the various messages, the fact that some were funny and some were serious and the way they were lettered. So it's something that began to take on a life of its own and that all led to uh, a couple of TEDx talks, and in one of those talks, I actually mentioned that I wanted to travel across the country buying signs, and that led to a very significant trip in 2014. Me and three other people traveled across the country, beginning in Seattle, ending in New York City, uh, buying signs and essentially interviewing the people along the way. And to your point, Sarah, yes, we heard lots of stories, just Mm. really unbelievable stories. And all of that led to a documentary that we just released, uh, or I should say it just premiered at a film festival at the Dallas International Film Festival. And that film is called Signs of Humanity. The project itself is called We Are All Homeless, and it continues to manifest itself in talks and exhibits and so forth. And so I have several of those coming up in the fall and winter. Well, so that's a little bit about the background. And, you know, both of you, you know, I mean, you never know how it's going to start. You know, I know with you, Dennis, you know, you've paid attention to this woman and then you, you've, you know, got so pulled into everything that was going on in that community that you've written these two books, Got to Find a Home, Conversations with Street People in a book one and book two, where it's their stories that you're telling and, you know, as you said, it's people walk on by, you know, there's that commercial where you see, uh, you know, there's one, there's one um, experiment that happened that I saw online, which really was quite amazing. A young man put up a sign saying, I need money for booze and drugs. And people would give him money and go, hey, you go, man. And then he turned the sign around and said, I need money to feed my family. And then had a little girl sniffling and coughing, you know, snuggling up to him. And people didn't pay any attention whatsoever. And it was another homeless woman who had raised money that day and gave her money to them and saying, look, you need it more than I do. And it really is a disgrace that we're allowing that to happen. But it is coming from a a part of guilt, isn't it? I've got, you haven't got, you know, what can I do for you? I'm stretched myself. And we need to we need to get out of that guilt and that that um, that shame or that avoidance and realize that every little helps. And sometimes it's just even asking somebody how they are. What can I do for you? Can I get something for you? Do you need blankets? I'll be back with gloves tomorrow. You know, it's paying attention to each other, isn't it? Dennis, you can start off with this one. Yes, I agree. I uh, I often, as I say, hand out Tim cards and things like that, but. Often I'll just sit with people and uh, talk to them, uh, ask them how their day's going, what troubles they're having, if there's anything I can do to help. And uh, I do see uh, the, 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 uh, the avoidance by the general 
pedestrian population, they avert their eyes, they walk around us, they ignore us, and, and sometimes even people that I work with that I know personally. And, you know, there's this uh, the class system, this wall that uh, people uh, put up in front of things they don't like to see because it perhaps it reminds me of, uh, re- reminds them of a situation that could very well fall upon them if uh, they lost their job, if they became ill, if uh, they were in a car accident. And most people in where, where I work, well, the areas that I, that I cover don't use signs, but there is one uh, man that uses a sign. It says, uh, help fight homophobia. <laughs> very articulate man. I like that. <laughs> yes, and uh, uh, he has a few others that he hit, that he kind of circulates. I think one's uh, "Let's make merry" or something like that, but uh, I can't quite remember offhand. But he says sometimes uh, he said the results vary. Some some people are affronted. Some people laugh. Some people uh, give money. But uh, as I say, he's. Uh, I, I I can't imagine him being on the street because he's uh, so intelligent. He went to university, but he, he said uh, the most important thing I learned at university was how to learn. And after that, I didn't see any point in paying tuition. So he just he would attend classes. He'd spend time in the library, and, and now he considers himself a Stoic Epicurean. Mm. And uh, I looked that up, and it's... Uh, quite involved, but uh, he's given it a lot of thought. And does he choose to be on the street? Is it that he just doesn't want to get into the mainstream, or, you know, what what is his reason? Uh, he has an apartment. Uh, I know it's, uh, there's a lot of annoying aspects of it. I think he's right above the garage door to the car park, but, uh, so he has a place to sleep. He's had uh, various jobs tree planting, uh, even as security work uh, somewhere, but uh, he likes to be out on the street and uh, talk to people and react with them. He doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't use drugs. Uh, So I imagine he scrapes by on whatever pensions are available to him. So he's an interactive person that um, just wants to get out there amongst people. I mean, you you look in Europe, you have... uh, you know, the, it is, it's, it's a natural thing to kind of be at the coffee, you know, place, mm-hmm. drinking coffee all day and just talking to people going by and, you know, and meeting people. So that's not terribly unusual. Uh, so more right. of a choice for him rather than something that um, he's been thrown into. I mean, we see so many vets, don't we? Um, you know, that it seems to be if you come back um, a hero or, um, or maimed or um, or dead, you know, you're a hero. But if you come back broken, or especially with post-traumatic stress disorder, um, and you're needing to be kind of rehabilitated and, um, you know, you've come back a different person. And so you've got to find out who you are now and how you fit into life. And there's a lot of shell shock, et cetera, there. And there's an awful lot of vets on the street, aren't there? Because they just don't know how to get back into the mainstream life. Willie, have you come across this? Oh, certainly. There are a tremendous number of veterans, and um, I'm also becoming aware of how many female veterans in the United States are on the streets as well. I think Dennis touched on a lot of the complexity of this 
this problem and this situation, it's it's a very complex problem, and it's not just the person that's on the street, but the feelings that Dennis was mentioning about the people's avoidance and the reasons people avoid. I do think there is a certain amount of guilt and shame mm-hmm. that comes up for a lot of people. But the truth is, it's really hard to know what the person's story is. And I think it's human nature to make up a story about that person and and tell myself that that person's drinking or drugging or lazy or whatever. And the truth, in my experience, having, you know, I have over 1,100 signs now, so I've had a lot of conversations on the street. And my experience is that those stories are quite unique and often not what I expected. Yeah. So... I think one of my big takeaways from this has just been to stay open to the story and and to not shame myself either because that doesn't do any good if I'm you know having a dialogue in my head about the fact that I've got stuff and I ought to be giving stuff away and I think it's very easy for people to get into that loop. Yeah, exactly. Um and you know I love Don Rue's thing, you know, uh, the four agreements and one of them is never assume. <laughs> you know, ask, you know, everybody has a story. Um, and, you know, f- for some people, it's it's a, a life pattern. That's all they've known. You know, for uh, others, it's rejection. For other people, if they've lost their road. You know, when we ended up in our car, you know, we had been um, <coughs> developing um, a new electric motor and we had, we thought we had partners, we thought we had deals and they all crashed um, and we crashed along with it. Next thing you know, we're living it out of a van two people and a dog not knowing where to go next um and so you know you don't know what circumstances are going to put you in that and of course when you're there it's so much harder to get back up on your feet i know here in canada that you can't have a bank account if you're a homeless person you need an address but you can't have an address unless you have a bank a bank account so it's a very very vicious circle you know, and there was a new system that came into play a couple of years ago where there's virtually no support from the ministry anymore for homeless people. They leave that up to the churches and other institutions that are going around. And there are so many more homeless today um, just because everything's got so expensive to live and there aren't that many jobs and et cetera, et cetera. Just daily living can get in the way and put people, you know, out there and um, on the street. Um, Dennis, you write a, a blog where you tell people stories. You know, you go and talk to them and then you share that story. And so basically you're kind of that running commentary of what's going on in their lives. Yes, uh, the stories uh, from my blog eventually end up in books. Uh, but uh, there was an interesting uh, uh, thing that happened just the other day. Uh, I mentioned that... Uh, well, the character in my book, Little uh, Jake, was in hospital, and he's the man I mentioned that uh, is probably on the, is probably in the last stages of uh, uh, cirrhosis of the liver. But I had a a, a question on my blog: uh, What is his ha- what is his last name? I'd like to visit him in hospital, and he was in ICU, so it was only people who could ask for him directly that were allowed in. So I was able to provide her with that and uh, give her the room number and uh, tell her about what uh, what I'd observed uh, when I visited him. So it seems to be having a really a really immediate uh, um, it's an immediate resource. 
and this was somebody who was in a quite a high place. I can't remember some evangelical uh, organization, but yeah, I understood they knew him very well from the streets, but didn't have his last name. So uh, these stories just happen every day. I um, I go out to say every day that uh, weather permits, and it's always different. It's different people. It's different problems. It's different. Sometimes it's humor. Uh, other times it's complaints. Other times it's people not getting along. It's just regular people, and they become my my friends, and I, I spend time with them because I like I enjoy their company. Um, I don't enjoy the company of the, a lot of the other people that, <laughs> I, uh, that I work with. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, the thing is, it's a community, isn't it? Um, you know, especially with, with what you're seeing, there, you know, there are people going to the same spot every day. Um, so it is a community. I would imagine with you, Willie, you, you know, you're catching people you know, on the side of the road with their signs and things like this. So, uh, you know, do you actually get into going into their community or are you m more meeting people one-on-one? -on -one? Typically, it's one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you know, you mentioned in Canada the situation that uh, it seems like a lot of churches are being left to solve this problem mm -hmm. and other organizations. I, it's very similar in the United States and it varies from city to city and state to state uh, based on you know, what laws exist that prevent people from uh, panhandling on the street or holding a sign on the street. And in some cases, there are given tickets if they're on the street asking for money, which seems shameful. just not just shameful, but not very practical or smart in terms yeah. of solving the problem. And I think cities right now uh, are really looking at this in various ways. I know that in I think it was Salt Lake City or there have been a couple of cities in the United States who have essentially provided housing for every homeless person as step one. So they eliminated homelessness strictly by providing some type of housing and then they set about trying to figure out the remaining problems, whether it's education or healthcare or PTSD or, you know, it's a long list as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But I, but I think that cities are realizing that there's economic benefit to actually solving the homeless piece of this puzzle. And that's one of the things I'm fascinated by. I do, I do tend to have a lot of conversations that are one-on-one. -on -one. I uh, don't often get to go into the community, although last week I was visiting a big facility here in Dallas called The Bridge. And as part of this awareness dinner that was happening, we got to sit at a table with one of the people who had been in that facility and is now out on her own. And she shared her story with us. And, you know, we got to have a long conversation about where she started and what got her there and, and how she finally got out. And I think uh, a point both of you have made about seeing that person and just connecting with them, even if it's shaking a hand and asking mm -hmm. their name, those simple things really do a lot to give them hope and to let them see they've got worth as a human being. I mean, you know, you know, going back to that little uh, experiment that was done, you know, that people walking by, you know, as somebody with a child and you see, you know, people with their dogs and, 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of cases where it's mums and their kids because they've had to run from a situation at home. And, you know, I know that part of us wants to go and scoop them all up and help them, but perhaps we're also struggling and it's very hard to be able to do something. Um, but if we realize that anything, anything counts, right? Um, that, um, as I said, is it, do you need a blanket? Can I get you some food? Can I bring something from home for you? Something. We've all got something at home that we could do something. But sometimes, as you said, it's just sitting down and talking and hearing their story. Because otherwise, they become forgotten people. And we really shouldn't forget our people. There's enough of that going on with the governments today, trying to put, um, you know, money is more important than people. And people are the commodity of the world. They're the value. They're the substance of the world. And we really need to invest back into the people. So wonderful for them for uh, providing those homes and giving that baseline for them to grow from. <coughs> and we're hearing cats in the background, aren't we? Uh, yes, th those <laughs> are my cats. They're chewing in. They're at a point of view there. You say, don't forget the cats. You talked about the dogs, but don't forget about the cats that are homeless. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've really got to, I think, change the way we actually look at humanity and start, you know, forget about the judgment. Oh, that's a drug addict or that's lazy. And just start looking at people as human beings and, you know, what we can do. And th that first thing is, hello, who are you? Because that's what we all want to know, is that we count, right? Dennis, I'm sure with all your conversations, that's one of the prime ones that is there. Uh, yes, I, I remember talking to, uh, to a friend uh, just uh, a little while ago, and uh, a man had given him $5 uh, as he was panhandling, and uh, he said, what are you going to do with that $5? And uh, a fellow who I call Bruce said... Uh, I'm going to take it to the laundromat and dry my dry my sleeping bag. And later the man saw him at uh, the laundromat and he said, uh, you know, I thought you were going to buy liquor with that. <laughs> right. So, it, again, it's assumption. Yes. And, and uh, also, uh, sometimes people think they're being very helpful in passing out granola bars, uh, blankets, uh, uh, used clothing, and... Sometimes it's just not appropriate. Many of the homeless people have no teeth. They can't eat granola mm. bars. Uh, point. If, if it's blankets, they, their backpacks won't hold them. How are they going to get them right. home? How are they going to get a bag of clothes home? And if they get them home, are they going to fit? Are they going to be suitable? So uh, the first thing is to ask, how can I help? What and do you need? There are mm -hmm. people. Yeah, exactly. And there are people in the suburbs who collect things on a regular basis, and the lady comes down every every Wednesday morning and has this selection of things that she knows people uh, need or want, and, and they'll say, you know, if you could find me a pair of winter boots, she'll uh, try to find them. And that works out very well, and she's been doing it for about 10 years. Good and everybody... Everybody looks forward to Wednesday morning. Everybody is there Wednesday morning. They don't sleep late. They don't mm -hmm. make other plans. Now, there, so, there uh, are people that, whether you offered them a home or not, just won't go into a building. We, we knew a young schizophrenic young guy, and he wasn't violent at all, although you know, sometimes he'd be walking down the street shouting. 
but he was never violent in fact incredibly courteous when you gave him something you know he didn't um, like healthy sandwiches it was McDonald's or stuff like that but um, he would always be very respectful when you gave him something and ask how he is etc and uh, you know my friend uh, Bill um, got him to really open up and come into Starbucks with him and have a bite to eat and a coffee and tell his story and you know, basically his family completely you know he's schizophrenic I can't deal with him throw him away um, he won't go into any building because he felt trapped in there and he lives lives in a tent underneath a bridge and then kind of walks all day long or rides the bus depending on the weather and then goes back to his tent at night and you wouldn't be able to get him into a building and you know we there is a lot of that isn't that Willie did you find that Yes, uh, there's no question. There are people that just aren't going to go into a shelter. They may not feel safe there. They may have mental illness, which is just a huge, uh, you know, in the United States in the 80s, for instance, a lot of mental hospitals were shut down. And a lot of those people were just put onto the streets. And we're still suffering from that, that um, trend. And hopefully, that is going to shift because I do think people are becoming aware of just how much mental illness plays a role for so many people that are on the streets. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned, you know, some other stories that you guys were talking about. Uh, I met a woman in Chicago named Poochie who had two small girls with her, her granddaughters, and she had subsidized housing, but she said that this was the only way she could keep a roof over their heads was by sitting on the street and asking for money. She seemed incredibly purposeful and really cared about those two little girls. But seeing the three of them together just was heartbreaking for me. And, and there are a lot of stories like that. I think, you know, the cats that we were joking about a minute ago, there was a woman in Albuquerque named Danelle, and she and her son had been on the streets for two and a half years, and they had two cats, and there were no shelters in Albuquerque that would take okay. pets. Mm -hmm. And she was much, she was not going to give up those cats in order to go to a shelter because there was some safety and comfort that she got from being around those pets. So the, the stories and the reasons, I think, are just so widespread. And I think Dennis's point, too, about I think people really do try to help, and sometimes they believe that, you know, if I give a granola bar or a, an item of clothing, that that that's a way to help and sometimes it is but sometimes it's hard to know exactly what a person really needs and it's it's just that that adds to the guilt and shame I think for some people because they can't figure it out it seems too complicated yeah so I, I do think that is part of the issue and you know things like the Tim Hortons cards you know wherever you are whatever area you're in you know hopefully not a McDonald's but of course when you, you know uh, at this point, it's getting food in them, you know, not necessarily going into for the organic uh, nutritional food, but getting food in them is is finding a card that you can give so that you know that it's going to go and be, you know, put on food. Of course, if they are into drugs, they'll trade it. You know, you're not going to do anything about that. But at least you know that they've got, you know, something they can go in and go and get a meal. Um, but, you know, I'm going to ask you guys a question. You, you know, you're, you're using money to buy signs. You're using money to buy these cards and have, you know, rolls of tickets and things like this. Is this your own money that you're using, Dennis? Uh, yes, completely. 
Um, the fact that I don't think my wife knows about it. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> but, don't listen uh, to the show, dear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, it's totally my own money. I don't take it out of. I don't even take it out of uh, uh, revenues from book sales. I don't uh, claim it as a uh, revenue uh, expense. Uh, and it's just uh, helping out my friends. But if you, you know, I'm going to say to people here right now listening to this show, the goodness of his heart that he's doing this, that he's written this book, that he's caring for for human beings, giving them a, a spotlight to see who they are, the, you know, the humanity that's in them, and he's spending his own money. I'm going to say reach out to him and give him a hand because you shouldn't have to. And of course, if other people support you, you can then support more people. So it shouldn't be just a one-man job. So, you know, folks, um, wonderful that it's from his own wallet, but if you give him a hand, then he can actually reach out and help more people. Willie, I know that, y you know, it was you just buying the signs. Uh, you know, the same with you. Have you got any support now? The, uh, the uh, one place I did get support is on our cross-country trip. We, we did a crowdfunding campaign to pay for the expenses of you know, the four of us traveling across the country and buying the signs and making this uh, documentary. Uh, but other than that, and, and I think that was, I think we got almost 300 signs, but the remainder of all the signs that I have, yes, have either been bought by me or in some cases I've had friends buy signs and send them to me. And in fact, I just heard from a one of my students, I teach here in Dallas at SMU, and one of my students who's visiting uh, with her family in Italy right now just sent me a text that her parents have bought me two signs that are both in Italian. So it, that also happens. So I do have people that get inspired by the project and want to help. And so it's also very fulfilling for me to to just meet people and hear other people's stories of the people they've met on the streets. So, you know, you guys are kind of, you know, crusading this, but certainly it shouldn't be something you have to do on your own. You know, you've done that documentary. I know the last time we talked, Willie, you were doing an art gallery show over in New York. Um, you know, you've done the TED Talks, and you certainly brought that awareness in there. So, you know, it can be an invitation mm -hmm. for other people to, you know, help the project along. And it's not just a pat on the back, you guys are doing good work. It's, it should be kind of, you know, what else can I do for you so that you have even a bigger impact? Um, or even people duplicating what you're doing elsewhere. You know, um, I'm going to buy signs in this state um, and then we can set up an art gallery in this state. You know, it's just whatever it is. But, you know, what would you like to see people do? Uh, Dennis, how would you like to see people kind of be more supportive of what you're doing? Uh, actually, on my website, I have a banner uh, where you can click and donate money directly to the Ottawa Inner City Ministries uh, Street Outreach Program, and you get a government receipt. Uh, um, I was able to donate, uh, it's about $1,200 over the past two years, and even for uh, gifts for my family, who are self-sufficient I say you know rather than giving you cash for uh, your birthday uh, how be I put in a hundred dollar donation to the to the Ottawa inner city ministries and they're they're happy with that yeah and, and that's uh, that's actually something that's a really good point is is um, you know um, 
I remember, you know, again, Bill was given um, a gift for his birthday where it was a donation of a wheelchair to mm -hmm. somebody in need. And, uh, you know, and it touched him considerably, you know, that there's somebody now that has a wheelchair and that could get around that didn't have that before. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was a gift given in his name. And I think we could encourage that a lot more, couldn't we? You know, even people getting hold of you and saying, here's a whole load of Tim Holton cards or a whole load of, you know, other um, um, across, the, across the country type cards of food. That, um, and they can give it in someone's name. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do. Willie, have you got something like that? Um, well, the first thing I would say before... Uh, helping me in particular is that what everybody can do is smile and wave and make eye contact with somebody on the streets. And I think that is really a, a simple but really powerful thing that everybody can do. And I think that everybody's going to have to figure out for themselves, you know, what makes sense, whether they want to, you know, volunteer at a shelter or make sandwiches and give them out or, you know, whatever kind of help they feel called to do. Um, I, I really do encourage people not to put more pressure on themselves than they can handle because like you said, there are a lot of people, they've got busy lives and they've got, they may be struggling to feed their own family and I certainly uh, never want anyone to feel like there's any uh, shame or guilt about any of this. We are at the process right now because we are just in you know the beginning stages of entering our documentary into film festivals and and it's very unclear yet what the life is going to be uh moving forward but there will at some point be some kind of an impact campaign that we will set up and i'm not sure yet how that's going to work uh it probably will be through a nonprofit of sorts but at this point we're just at that phase where uh we don't know where this is going we're still actually doing some editing I'm actually in the process, too, of preparing a exhibit that's going to be at the Democratic National Convention uh, in Philadelphia in July. So that's the next big exhibit that will happen, and it should be uh, – hopefully we'll get a lot of eyeballs just because of the uh, – you know, all the stuff that's going on with the election and so forth. Well, you so, certainly will for, from one of the, the delegates of their people, because it's all about unity and community, etc. So you probably will get a great response from them. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really what, you, what it's about, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's, um, well, this could happen to me one day, so therefore I should do. If that's your approach, go ahead. Or you should just simply look at people as human beings and going... You know, that life has pulled the rug from underneath them and let's help them. And for some people, they're not going to come back to life as they knew it or life is what we think they should have. Even if it's just a question of getting up and getting through the day, um, you know, is sometimes all they can manage. And it's what level of, of care or humanity can you give them? Is it that smile every day? Is it a coffee? Is it, you know, how are you, you know, how are you today? What's up? You know, it's, it's more than even our homeless. We should actually be doing it to ourselves. How many of us <laughs> walk down the street and don't even look at anyone else, right? We seem to have lost connection with each other. And well, I want to, you're actually really touching on an important thing because, uh, and I know Dennis is an artist as well. There is, there is an aspect that art 
makes happen. And sometimes that is the starting of conversations. And I've been a part of so many hundreds of conversations and I've heard other people say that, you know, they saw these signs in an exhibit and then they couldn't stop thinking about them and started talking to their family and friends. And I, I believe that's one of the key things that art can do for our society is to help start those conversations. And yes, to your point, it is about connection and it is about valuing ourselves enough so that we are willing to look outward and value each other. Um, but that's I, th- I just didn't want to uh, skip that point. That is such an important aspect, at least to me, uh, about this project. Yeah. I mean, Dennis, I remember in our original show, you, know, you were saying how you used to walk by and you didn't know the story. You turned your own eyes until one day, you know, you stopped and said hello. And then it's, it's literally changed your world. I mean, you've written two books. You have this blog that's always sharing their stories. You've become very immersed in their in their society and they don't let everybody in do they they you know they're very picky about who's part of their group because of the huge trust factor but i mean it's yes, most certainly changed both of your lives factor. yes um uh they suffer um, all kinds of physical abuse uh, verbal abuse emotional abuse and uh when i see them on the street i you know sometimes i'll say uh Look, I, I don't have anything today, but uh, uh, let's sit down and talk. And they, they, they're happy uh, to just have a few kind words, and they tell me about what's going on and uh, what their partner's up to. And, and they've just become friends. And you know, friends help friends when they can, and exactly. when they can't, they, you know, it's understood. Exactly. Um, and, you know, in your blog, you know, you're sharing this story, you know, this happened today to so-and-so. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it makes it real because, you know, as I say, forgotten people, you know, don't want to know you because I either could either become you or it means I have to support you. I don't want to know you. Um, where, again, if we start investing and caring for one another, we'll be a much stronger community and society. But you sh- by sharing their story you are you know making them real and you're showing that they have everyday problems like we do their problems might be slightly different but Mm -hmm. nobody gets through a day without something they've got to deal with right and uh, um, one needs that community uh, that understands and that shares but the biggest word is that cares Mm -hmm. and we've really got to start caring for each other in some way you know, um, Willie, I know in, in our show that we talked about, you know, you were talking about the impact when somebody comes back to you and says that by buying that sign, I use that money and uh, I change my direction, which changed my life. You know, um, that's a very, very liberating thing for you to hear, isn't it? That, that you've had an impact in, on somebody's life in such a way. Oh, for sure. In fact, since you and I last talked, there is a a young man that I met in Philadelphia when we were doing our cross-country trip. His name is Eddie, and he had a really interesting sign, and so we did an interview with him, and in fact, he's in the documentary. He contacted me just a couple of months ago on Facebook and told me what had happened in his life since we'd met and he'd gotten clean off drugs. He was living in a little town close to Philadelphia. And it just seemed like he had had a, 
a really significant change. And that wasn't because I bought his sign, but it was just rewarding to reconnect with him. And in fact, uh, there is a good chance that he will come to the exhibit in Philadelphia and maybe be able to participate in some sort of a panel or Q&A whenever we're there. But he is uh, he seems very full of energy and wanting to help now that he's kind of gotten his life back on track. So that there's, it's hard to put that into words how mm. how special that is. And to Dennis's point too, I met two guys in Chicago, two really young guys, and they both told me directly they would rather have someone acknowledge them and say hello, how's it going, than to give them a dollar. Mm-hmm. And that that also kind of made me stop and take notice because that really that says something. Yes, uh, you, you know I think we go through life just wanting to know we count, and if we're treated like we're not there, then it's why are we here? And for someone to say I'm going to give you the greatest thing I can give you, my time, and I want to know your story. You know, I think that is one of the greatest gifts that you can give. Yes, it's fabulous if you can give, you know, food or this or that or a shelter, whatever the case is. But to sit down and give somebody time to know their story, to know who they are and to say you count in the world. Sometimes that's all it takes to shift somebody and give them some self-worth so that they can start following another path. And most certainly, Dennis, with you sitting down every single day with them, you've seen that impact, haven't you? Uh, yes. Uh, and they look forward to uh, to seeing me. You know, I, I get a big wave uh, when I'm way down the sidewalk, and uh, somebody will put out a either a, a, a folded plastic tarp or a, a towel or a, even a newspaper or a, a small foldable seat. So they will really welcome me into their into their community. And we've agreed that, uh, you know, the park isn't a place where, where people pan because uh, for whatever reason they, they made up the rule. But, I mean, sometimes if people uh, tell me uh, I've got a parole meeting to go to and I, I, I can't get there, I'll be able to give them a couple of bus tickets. And, uh, uh, no, well, ordinarily people wouldn't think that two bus tickets would make a big difference but often they can and uh, uh, sometimes uh, somebody will say look I haven't eaten today and I give them a card and they're happy and you know that's one the humane just, thing uh, to do <laughs> yes one fellow just uh, says uh, every Friday I really enjoy getting your cards because then I can uh, I save them till Sunday and I can buy a whole bunch of donuts and sit at Tim Hortons and read my book <laughs> <laughs> Little so things, right? Little unique. things that are huge. <laughs> yeah. 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 I want to add something, too, about the – I know we've touched on it lightly about the, the people on the street who might use money for drugs or alcohol. One of the things that I've come to realize that I really hadn't even considered is that there are a lot of people who've got some form of mental illness who cannot afford any medications or don't have the means or health care, especially in the United States, to get those medications. And for them, at least I've come to learn that there are a lot of them that drugs and alcohol is the way they cope, and that's the best and only way they've figured out for themselves to manage. And it's easy for me to judge that 
but what I've I've really come to learn and to be a lot more empathetic around is it's a it's a tough road for some of those folks and they just don't have perhaps the awareness of another way to get by. So I don't always, you know, I'd love to see people get off of whatever addictions they might have and so forth. But the truth is, if somebody takes the money I give them for a sign and and they buy liquor and that's what helps them make it to the next day, I've learned to accept that as, as maybe it's what they need to do. And so it's just one of those things I've gotten a little bit wider perspective as I've been buying signs. Well, I mean, I interviewed a young woman uh, that um, went to school with my daughter and she had been um, a, a functioning drug addict for around about nine, ten years at this point. And, um, uh, and you know, had reached that point where she was on the street, bottom out. And she said, you know, like, I was just on the verge of, like, selling my body and that was my limit. I was not going to go there. And it's, um, you know, that making that decision to go into rehab. And, it, you know, for some people, it's that, that street thing is that wake-up call. You know, your decision-making has got you here. Now you really need to go and do something about it. And for us, as you said, especially people that are in any form of trauma, and that could, you know, post-traumatic is not just to veterans. It's to um, uh, victims of domestic bullying. Um, you know, in many cases, it's, it's actually the bullying that's going on in the workforce. Um, it could be, you know, stuff that's going on in the home growing up, um, you know, sexual abuse, you name it. We don't know from where they have come and what they're dealing with. And they choose some form of substance or, or some activity that release, you know, that takes away that pain or helps them cope with it. So we have to go a little deeper to what that pain is so we can help them get over it and, um, and lead a different life rather than just, you know, ignoring it. Um, Everybody's got stuff they have to carry, but imagine having to carry it alone with no one there to help you. Yes, mental illness is a is a big problem, and uh, I know I know one woman who uh, her parole officer asked her why did you drink, and she said, "Well, uh, I've run out of my medication. I've lost my health card. I uh, I have fibromyalgia. I'm in pain." I use the pot to get rid of the pain, and then I drink myself into a stupor. That's what I do every single day. And also she was schizophrenic, so the drinking helped control the voices in her head, but she wasn't able to get uh, psychiatric help. And in a lot of cases, uh, psychiatric help and uh, alcohol rehabilitation, uh, people have told me it's taken them five years to get onto a, a program that that would help yeah so yeah i mean this is you know this is the thing is this is where the system is broken isn't it is that it seems to be um the system rather throw people away than invest in the people for them to get back into their own productivity um it's um it's it's completely and utterly out of whack and i hope whoever comes into power in america um, you know, puts it right because we've certainly mm-hmm. lost the emphasis of value of people. Um, and, uh, you know, people seem to have become right down at the bottom of the scale there. Oh, that's okay. There's more people. And, uh, you know, we've got to realize that life, all life, um, is the gift. And if we don't look after it uh, and we don't value and uh, care for one another, 
then we're actually throwing away our greatest uh, commodity in this world. It's, I don't care how rich you are, it can't buy love, it can't buy health, and it can't buy, um, you know, that camaraderie. Um, and that comes from giving each other time, caring for each other, being there for each other. And, uh, you know, whether a person is homeless or in low income, um, you know, a single mom struggling with her kids, or as you say, grandmother with the kids, even people with their pets, you know, rather give up their meal so the animal can eat. We've got to put humanity first because we don't um, shame on us. Um, so, Willie, what's next for you? I know that um, you've, you've got the documentary coming out. When, when do we expect that? It, it will depend on how we, you know, how we do in getting into festivals and ultimately find some sort of distribution. Uh, you know, we will know a lot more about that, I think, in the next two or three months, hopefully. As I mentioned, we're also editing and tightening the current version of the film as it stands. We do have a website up that's signsofhumanity.org. And, of course, you can always go to weareallhomeless.org. Both of those will give information about the project and ways to either get involved or at least stay up to date on what's happening. We have a very active Facebook group under the name We Are All Homeless. There is a book in the works as well that uh, hopefully will be out either late this year or early next year. And beyond that, I'm just hanging on and <laughs> seeing where this takes me. Um, as I said, we've got some exhibits scheduled for the fall and winter, uh, Philadelphia, New York, and uh, I do want to mention that in New York in October, there is a playwright who's written a, a play called Roughly Speaking. They're literally casting it right now. It's supposed to open uh, on a little off-Broadway theater in, I think it's October 29th. And it is stories from the soup kitchens in New York that she's been collecting for the past three years. Uh, I'm going to be doing an exhibit in the lobby of that theater, which is really exciting. And I, d I will keep you abreast on how that develops as well. But yet another connection that happens because just because of following this passion and this project, uh, I, I was able to meet this uh, playwright. And it's just fascinating to me how all these dots get connected. In the same way that I met Dennis in this phone call and how I've come across you, Sarah. Exactly, exactly. You know, that thread of humanity, right, running through us um, and, you know, letting it spread out, you know, the old spider web. And, you know, the more we invite people to be a part of it, you know, bring, bring their ingredient to the table, um, and it, the more it expands the story and the more it expands the awareness. And, you know, most people walk by because they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to think. And the more awareness that we put out there of that these are everyday people who've, who have, you know, fallen on hard times or just life has dealt them a hard, you know, hard blow. Um, and then what we can do to help them, um, you know, get back on their feet or just be there for them. Um, you know, I think that just what really unites us as, as, um, as communities um, and you both of you have got so much abundance in your heart and your soul and your spirit for the work that you're doing that neither one of you could turn your back on this now you know how much it means to you and you know how much it fulfills you how much you're driven by this 
um, and neither one of you could walk away from this now. And you know, I, I celebrate both of you very, very much for going down this path. It's not sexy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's reality and you've stuck with it and you've given those people the respect and the honor, you know, to, um, to see them as human beings and uh, you know have a voice of their own and you know bravo to both of you um you've got your second book out dennis um what's next for you well a third book <laughs> <laughs> bravo again e evolving from uh, the blog post i think the second book ended in 1930 or sorry 20 2013 so there's 2014 2015 it just goes on and on and uh, people really identify with these characters and uh when the second book came out, they couldn't wait to see what had happened because it's like a soap opera. Mm -hmm. Some life is uh, in a bit of a turmoil, and what's going to happen? Is it going to be good, bad, uh, indifferent? And I've also got a, a surprisingly huge following on uh, on Twitter. I think I have 65,000 followers on Twitter and another 65,000 on uh, uh uh, well, where, the, where my blog is. WordPress. Uh, WordPress, that's right. Right. So I'm hoping to uh, direct some of my, try to find uh, followers in areas that can make a difference, especially psychologists and uh, uh, social workers and uh, uh, interest other artists. Uh, authors rather in promoting this book and uh, they've been very generous in doing that so it's just more of the same something different every day exactly and you know you pointed out you know life is a soap opera right you know we it mm -hmm. could be a drama it could be a thriller you know mm -hmm. um, you know our lives each one of them has a you know particular title or you know, even different chapters or different things and you know, by you sharing these these daily stories, you, you've made them really, really real. And you know, if if it was done as a script, and somebody presented this as a soap opera, and they go, "Oh no, that would never happen." And um, we don't mm -hmm. realize that reality <laughs> is so much more real than what we can, you know, create in our minds out there. And that there is so much going on today um, that is extraordinary. Um, yes. And that we really need to kind of open our minds and stop limiting ourselves and certainly put away the judgment um, mm -hmm. and start really listening to what, what is. So you can buy um, your books from you've uh, gotta find a home dot wordpress dot com, right? And also right. Amazon. Amazon, yeah. And so it's gotta find a home one, gotta find a home two, and number three coming up. Uh, you're on Tumblr, you're on Twitter, Dennis Cardiff. And Facebook, mm -hmm. Dennis Cardiff five, and mm -hmm. uh, with Willie for you, it's uh, we are all homeless uh, dot blogspot dot ca, and also there's uh, scienceforhumanity.org. and uh, what else have you got up there? Uh, I've got an artist page on Facebook under my name, Willie Baronet. The um, We Are All Homeless group is also on Facebook and quite active. Uh, I post lots of signs to my Instagram account as well, uh, which is just under my name. And Dennis, I'll be your newest follower as soon as we're done with this interview. Oh, terrific, Willie. And uh, I'll be one of yours on uh, on Facebook and uh, anything else I can find. <laughs> it was a pleasure meeting you, and uh, thank you very much, Sarah, for your for your interest. 
Same here, and and thank you for your work. It's uh, inspiring to know that in other countries, people are so passionate and so involved. So thank you as well, and thank you, Sarah, for having us. Oh, always, always. I mean, I'm inspired by you guys. I celebrate what you're doing, your heart, your soul, your spirit, the caring for humanity, uh, the understanding that we're all in this together. And uh, our our value as humanity is only as how much we are willing to support and invest in each other. And the more abundant we all are, the more enriched we all are. It's not about the dollar sign, it's about the human sign. And when we all step up and become part of that humanity and caring for one another, um, you know, seeding opportunities, seeing possibilities, uh, placing value upon people, uh, just caring, simply caring. Um, you know, we are going to be more enriched for it. We're going to be better human beings for it. And if we want to make this world a better place, we better start treating each other in a better way. So thank both of you very, very much for the work that you're doing. I commend that. And I encourage other people to reach out to you and ask how they can help or how they can um, do something of their own in their own communities. Um, or even just pay attention to those people that are out there on the street um, instead of turning your back on them, simply go over and say, hello, how are you, who are you, and what can I do for you? And sometimes it just simply might be that smile or that hello that makes a difference. So Dennis and Willie, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, and thank you for sharing with us here today. My pleasure. Thank you. Until next time, folks, remember, you are the difference that the world seeks. <laughs>